right, welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am here at Huge in Brooklyn with Richard Swain. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Pleasure. So uh, Richard is the VP of Brand Strategy and Identity here at Huge. Congrats again on the uh, recent promotion. So let's get into it. Uh, tell me about your journey. You know, how did you get involved in uh, design? Yeah, we'll, we'll take it from there. Firstly, Rob, I'll just say that um, I think it's so great you're doing this. Um, so I lecture twice a year at Cornell University. Um, the course is called uh, Digital Branding. Um, but it's amazing. I always like to start with like a little opening, tell a bit about my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and without fail, all the questions at the end and all the comments and feedback come regarding that story at the right. beginning. Like more than anything, I kind of try <laughs> and teach them or, or lesson, give lessons on it. Well, that's good. It's okay. all about that. And uh, I think it's great. I think um, when I think about myself starting out, you know, it's amazing to have access sometimes to you know, great speakers and industry titans at the top of their game. But mm-hmm. I was always curious, who are these people who've been working five years? Right, like right, 10 right. years or 12 years yeah. um, and I think the fact that you're kind of giving people access to that um, I think I think it's phenomenal so Thank good you, on I you that. <laughs> no worries I'm pumped now <laughs> sure um, so yeah I guess my my origin story so I, I, I'll start with saying I guess I only really ever wanted to do three jobs um, I wanted to be, first I wanted to be a fireman um, oh really? I'm a volunteer fireman. Oh, you are a fireman. Okay, well, I'm New York City fireman. my dream. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Um, I didn't last that long. I'll be honest. I, th- I think something around like 10, 11, I realised, hey, this is a bit a little scary. Yeah. Um, and then for a few years, I wanted to be a sports psychologist until I realised uh, I wasn't very good at science, right. um, which is a bit of a problem. And then um, it was around I think 16, I discovered this book on creative advertising, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just this really classic, beautiful um, book on like great print advertising. Um, uh, I think it might have been called creative advertising. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know at that point specifically what I wanted to do, but I knew this was the world I wanted to be. And I said something around communications design, right. um, maybe copywriting um, was a thought. Uh, so I, uh, parent, my parents blessed them, um, did all their best to try and get me an internship in yeah. London. Um, so they're, they're both teachers, both came from kind of pretty, pretty poor rural areas in Wales. Um, first time to university, so they didn't have a lot of contacts, but they, they milked as many as they could. Uh, and I think it was, I think it was my, my, someone my mum taught with, her daughter's friend worked at Saatchi and Saatchi. Uh, so I got my first internship um, when I was, I think, about 16, 17, uh, doing a week just at Saatchi and Saatchi in London. That's like amazing. all big eyed, just walking around <laughs> and like, this is crazy. It's a real internship. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, it was, that, that was great. Uh, and then I think the next one, my, my, my dad uh, had taught someone who worked at uh, McCann Erickson. So I got to do an internship there. And then from there, I just kind of used those relationships. And over the course of kind of two or three years, I did five or six different internships at different uh, places in London, uh, ranging from a week to kind of like two months. Um, And it was awesome. It was all unpaid, obviously, but just great chance to get exposure to different um, types of types of worlds. Um, Then, of course, uh, when I graduated in 2008, uh, this was exactly the same time as the global financial crisis. Um, So it wasn't a brilliant time to uh, start looking for work. Um, and then out of, out of one day, my friend said to me, said, uh, I've got this, I think you could get this job with me. I'm working in recruitment, um, which I thought, at first I thought was a little odd, like getting, you know, getting people jobs at a time when there aren't any. Yeah. Um, but I thought, well, maybe that could be helpful. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up doing, I ended up doing this job and I, I what I decided was I'm going to recruit specifically for creative agencies. So I thought, if nothing else, it'll give me an opportunity, funny, not too far, dissimilar to what you're doing, give me a chance to meet right. people within the industry that exactly. I'm working in, um, help, you know, consolidate. Hacking, if you will. Yeah, hacking, decide a little bit about more about what I wanted to do, 
Um, <laughs> I think it kind of showed in the fact that I think I was pretty much the worst recruitment consultant um, <laughs> on the planet. Um, I think I got like two people jobs in all the time I was there. Wow. But um, what I did show myself to be was actually pretty good at um, meeting people and building relationships and getting them to kind of work with us as a company. Right. Um, I'd, I'd research the industry before going to meet them. I'd research the person. I would, and it really got me passionate about um, understanding different industries yeah. um, <clears throat> and learning those kind of interview skills as well. Um, so I did that for about uh, just over a year, and I was just starting to look around again, and um, my, uh, the, someone I used to work with said, uh, would you like to come and work in Australia doing the same thing? Uh, and I was like, well, I guess at, at this point I'm 22 years old thinking, hey, yeah, sure, why, pay me to come to Australia, um, why not? So I, I ended up saying yes, um, I did that. Um, Your parents must have been thrilled. Yeah, that was, that was a tough conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's that like? Because I feel like it's an interesting thing... Uh, a lot of young creative professionals kind of just take that jump. What's it like when you go and tell your parents you know, moving across the world? I have to say, I was so proud to have my mum, of who she was, by her reaction. Um, she, she, I could tell she was devastated, but she didn't let it show, um, and she didn't say so. She didn't once. She didn't once ask me to stay, and she never once asked me to come home. Um, and I could tell that that it pained her how far it was, and you know, touch wood. Thankfully, we've had. You know, technology is what it is. Um, yeah. we, you know, we're unable to Skype and we FaceTime. And uh, I've got a beautiful niece and nephew that I Skype and FaceTime with, you know, as much as I can. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it was difficult. Yeah. Um, but they understood it was something I wanted to do. Um, and at the time, I think I said I'll maybe go for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think it's been eight years or seven years since yeah. I've been out of the UK. Yeah. yeah. Um, two continents later. Um, do you miss the UK or like here in the uh, I I do I miss certain things about the UK, but I, I I just I love seeing different parts of the world. I love meeting different people, um, and I think you know the ability to um, and the the opportunities you get from from being in those different places is just second to none. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I had a, a good time in Australia, and I again continued to network with different people. And it was really there that I discovered what would become my field, which is obviously branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met a guy called Nick Foley, who was at the time the managing director of Landor mm-hmm. in Australia. And um, to this day, he will t- if you ask him, he would say that I came up with the idea uh, and sold him on the job. Um, I, think, I think he was the smart one and he came up with it. But, yeah, um, I love Landor. They make great work. I work with uh, people that are Landor alumni and I'm always amazed at the work that they make. Oh, it's incredible. It was, it, in terms of like a, a grounding in, in kind of design and design strategy um, and branding, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's second to none and a lot of people yeah. will say that. Um, work is so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, so I started at uh, Landor um, in a what was a kind of a hybrid new business um, strategy role. Um, so the the agreement I had with Nick was I would build build some of the new business capabilities that I'd been doing through my kind of sales recruitment job, and at the same time I'd be trained in brand strategy. So it was a kind of a new role that was created. Um, I did that for a year, um, and it was it was amazing. Um, I'd have to say to anyone who gets an opportunity to work in like a new business capacity and work mm-hmm. on pitches. Um, it's a great way to understand agencies and how they work. Um, more to the point, you're actually getting to know so many different industries through that process because you know every week it's a new pitch. It's new. We have to get to know um, you know what the uh, shipping business is about. We need to go down and understand the wine the wine industry. Uh, and you're literally flying around, going to meet you know amazing people uh, and doing these different careers as a way to understand kind of what. Um, what it is they do and, and help solve, solve their problems. So it was an amazing kind of starting point for me uh, starting out and I was at the time in Australia there was a lot of great design happening um, especially in brand design. Um, some Brits but some, some local Australians too the likes of Chris Doyle, Jace Little, Mike Rigby 
um, of like uh, Ollie Bontby, I believe, yeah. you're coming on. He's coming on the podcast. Yeah, um, he's on the media market. I love him. Yeah, I got to chill with him. An interman. Yeah, he's um, he's a great guy. And I think for me, it was these guys weren't that much older than me, and I could see that the impact that their work was doing on a global stage was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, winning design awards, and it, and it wasn't just for its design; it was for its kind of thoughtful. Uh, problem solving right. um, based on really clear strategy and now the fact that I could have a role in, in impacting that yeah. for me was just like mind blowing yeah. I was captivated I was like right this is this is this the is Sydney Opera House is one that comes to mind yeah. Sydney, the Sydney Opera House is yeah, what Ollie worked on but um, Alzheimer's Australia one got a lot of recognition uh, um, Telstra work was a big telco City of Melbourne yeah. um, there was a lot of kind of over a period of years um, a lot of kind of great design that yeah. came out of came out of there now you come to the States what made you want to come to HUGE and you've kind of worked your way up through the ranks, you're recently promoted to uh, VP of uh, Brand Strategy and Identity, so uh, congratulations. And tell me about your journey so far at Huge. Yeah, so I'd been at Landor for another almost two years in New York, um, so I'd wanted to uh, come to New York and, you know, I think ever since I'd read that, that book, and I actually studied uh, history and American studies at university, and a big part of my dissertation was the history of print advertising between the 50s and 70s. Um, so I think the allure of Madison Avenue and this was all before Mad Men right. but uh, yeah it, it, it was something that you know I, I couldn't really get an itch I had to scratch um, you know, it's a cliche for a reason um, so I came to New York uh, with Landor uh, they kind of transferred me over I got to work for the global chief creative officer there um, chief strategy officer there Thomas O'Dell um, the ECD uh, Wally Quantz just a couple of great mentors that you can you know, learn from uh, people at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point, I uh, got a call saying, uh, from Huge, saying that, you know, Huge has been moving into the branding space. Uh, would I be interested in coming have a conversation um, and joining Huge? So Huge's background, as you may be aware, was, mainly in, di- was in digital design. Right. Um, so it's, you know, it's been built from over the 15 years, uh, really focused on user centricity, focused initially on building websites and um, digital products, and then event- ultimately helping businesses transform for the digital age. And as that kind of um, mandate has grown, uh, we need to grow our capabilities. So Huge has effectively continued to add and bolster those capabilities by hiring just great people from different kind of specialist agencies and then bringing them into the fold. So it's all been organic growth. There's been no acquisitions. Uh, And what it's resulted in is a really kind of great culture of diverse problem solvers. Um, And for me, that was a a brilliant opportunity because, you know, I've been doing some amazing work, but always within kind of a tight vacuum. Like you're very privileged to be developing the names and the identities of these companies. You know, you get to work with the CEO, the CMO, um, and if you know you're an incredible opportunity to build trust with them, mm-hmm. um, but always within within that kind of vacuum. Is that difficult because uh, of your age? I mean, we mentioned before the podcast like you're 30 years old, and you're talking to people that are you know CFOs, CMOs, and all this different stuff. Like, how do you? Did, did they ever like? Do you ever deal with that or not really? Or, I, well, I think it's, it's funny. I think I mentioned I mentioned the recruitment job at the beginning. I think doing I think having when I was at that point 21 years old or um, interviewing at that point CFOs or finance directors and um, any director level folks um, and doing that kind of day after day uh, was just practice. So that when I think was in this position and um, you know going around meeting CEOs, presenting you know new names or um, you know identities to them. Uh, it, it, it just wasn't as shocking because you'd, you'd had that experience, you'd gone yeah. through it. Um, it's all in your demeanor, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it comes. I think it just comes through practice. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things I'll always say is, uh, even if you, you might think you're doing the right thing for your career, um, think about what you can take from it. 
because um, I look back at that time and I remember thinking, what am I doing? This doesn't feel right. This isn't taking me to where I wanted to go. Um, but then in hindsight, it gave me the exact skills I needed probably at the time. Right. Um, and I didn't even know it. Yeah. All right. So uh, this podcast seeks to bridge the gap between entry-level designers and creatives. And, uh, that, you know, it's, that it's ever-evolving because, you know, now I'm kind of talking to all these different kinds of people. Um, but the main purpose is to kind of to close that gap between... Um, people who are leaving school or entering the field and people who are crushing life like yourself. You know, a lot of times we talk about portfolio advice and I think there's been some really great stuff on that. But I definitely, uh, being that, you know, you're the vice president of brand strategy and identity at such a great agency, um, I think it would be great for you to maybe um, kind of go over like what what a brand is and what successful brands do. Because I feel like a lot of many young designers, you know, they may get confused with, like a, lo- as a logo of a brand is like, you know, is what they say the brand. So, um, from from what you've learned in your years working in you know strategy and with branding, um, what makes successful brands, and what are kind of the misconceptions that some young students or people just entering might have? So, I mean, there's many there's many definitions of what a brand is. Um, the one I like to use is uh, a brand is an expectation around an experience. Um, what I, yeah, or said another way, it's, as one of my old ECDs used to say, it's it's the movie that plays in your head when you hear a brand name. Right. Um, and, and, you, and that's something that's built cumulatively over time. Uh, and it can be built through many, many different touch points, especially in today's world. An example I often use is Virgin as an airline. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about airlines as businesses, they're 98% the same. Um, they tend to share all the same flight plans. They share, you know, they have planes, they have people, they have, um, you know, in-flight entertainment. Um, but when you, with that, that 2% difference... Um, between different airlines, that's incredible. It can have an incredible impact. It's right. like the, it's like the way that people say that um, apparently Albert Einstein and an ape shares ninety eight percent of the same DNA. Right. But that two percent has an incredible, profound yes. impact. Yeah. Um, I feel like the job of a brand is to use that two percent um, to really have an incredible impact um, on what an experience can be for for, for for users. So take an airline for example. So you may, um, if you're looking at two prices that are exactly the same. Um, Personally, from my perspective, I, uh, if you know, no takeaway, frequent flyers, and everything like that, right. um, I may go with me slightly predisposed to go with one over another um, because of that movie that plays in my head, because I have that positive predisposition. Right. Uh, and that comes from um, elevating these moments, um, whether it's the in flight video, whether it's the light in the cabin, um, whether it's the um, the, 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 the sound roundness or the softness of the seats like all these all these things are what the brand yeah. um, represents but it's way more than just the, 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 the logo or the name I mean obviously these, those are core tenants to the brand but um, you know you really should be thinking about the entire experience and more and more thinking about what, what, what utility can come through that experience I think one of the things we try and do here at Huge is always say right what is the utility the brand's providing and that can be functional utility but it can also be emotional utility as well right. um, you know we live in such a competitive space that you know you can't be just focused on what you, you want to say or what you want to help people do but really what, what do you help people enable right. um, through these different types of experiences um, and I, I think the best designers and best creatives that I've worked with are always looking for that you know it's not just about the aesthetics it's not just, you know we were having this conversation earlier about um, you know being really technically focused um, and, and technical proficiency is one thing, but it's, for me, I've always been impressed with designers who can articulate the, an idea, uh, always have a rationale behind something and be able to tie that back to the kind of the problem that we're trying to solve. Even if it's not right, but that, that skill, right. uh, to be able to demonstrate that kind of that, that, um, problem-solving ability, um, I think is, is tremendous. And the sooner I think 
you know, designers and creators can start um, expressing themselves in that way, that they're much more better off they're going to be when it comes to things like inter- job interviews. So before the podcast, uh, we were talking about uh, Stoked, which you do with uh, former podcast guest Francis uh, Smith, which I think is a really cool project. So can you tell me a little bit about that? We also have Francis and I met, so we, bo- we both volunteer for Stoked. So Stoked is a, uh, it's, it's a kind of a, a not-for-profit. It's similar to Big Brother, Big Sister of America. So it yeah. pairs um, kind of children from schools um, in, in New York with... Uh, people from industry uh, as like mentors uh, a way to, as awesome. a, yeah and the whole goal is to really kind of help bridge that opportunity gap um, it's brilliant and what they do is they set up a lot of uh, activities and it's mainly around skating um, but also surfing in the summer um, and snowboarding in the winter uh, it's a really brilliant program and um, as we've huge has started to work more and more with Stoked we've done a lot of um, this program kind of a design thinking curriculum um, so for the whole of last year we worked with 10 different schools um, eight here in New York and two in LA and the children, uh, the students went, spent their time identifying problems in their community uh, and, and the problems to solve and then creating prototypes to help fix those problems right. uh, and through the process actually built their own action sports brands that is um, so cool it was awesome it was so cool we, I got to, so Francis was one of the judges uh, at the brand showcase last year um, up, up in Harlem uh, and it was amazing to see like over this nine month process um, these students have come from nothing um, in terms of like an idea to have these like fully fledged baked out brands with like taglines and movies and, and a working website um, one of the one of my favorites was um, this school that they, they basically came up with this idea that um, there's all these broken skateboards that don't go anywhere so they said why don't we and they're a music school why don't we recycle the wood and make musical instruments wow so the brand was called fab from a board that's so <laughs> I know, mind-blowing. Mind um, yeah. There was another one that was uh, called Spoiled, and it was a um, skateboard that, that was trying to overcome uh, these misconceptions that it's just for guys and that skateboarding's for everyone. Um, right. And the, the tagline they came up with was Grind the Diamond. That's amazing. I you know. We have a guy here who obviously work, leads our kind of verbal practice, and he was like, that's, that's amazing. Oh, no. <laughs> and you're telling me a 14-year-old oh, came up with that? that <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's phenomenal. But no, it's a brilliant... Um, it's a brilliant organization. I say if, if you're starting out in your career or just have any time to volunteer, I, I'd say, yeah, look it up, Stoked. Um, it's based here in, uh, their head office is actually here around the corner in Dumbo. Right. Um, but they do events all over New York. Dude, I'm so going to get involved with that. Awesome. All right, so uh, we were talking about this on the, on a little bit earlier. Um, I'm actually really super inspired and motivated by you because um, you, know, you mentioned that you're 30 years old. I'm 26 years old right behind you and uh, you know you've obviously done some exceptional things and you're very well respected um, amongst the people that you work with clearly um, by where you are so if there's anything I've learned from this podcast it's that you know success is the variable of hard work it's like binary right I mean there's no substitute and I know you mentioned before that you kind of started early um, but can you maybe uh, talk to someone who is in school who's looking to be motivated and looking to kind of get like that hustle and you know, because you've been very successful, mm-hmm. but like, what, are, how, like, talk about how, how hard you had to work and, like, you know, what were some of the, the biggest things you learned in terms of, like, your work ethic? Because to have accomplished so much at such a young age is pretty, you know, significant. Yeah, I was, I'm for, I was fortunate to get a great bit of advice. Um, I always remember um, someone said, I was fretting at the time that I, I wasn't doing the right thing. Um, and then I was getting pushed on it and I was saying, what is it you think you're not doing? And I, I couldn't articulate it. Um, and someone said to me, well, don't worry about that. Think about what you are doing and do that really well. Focus right. on the thing that you know you want to do 
um, and, and, and say, right, when you look back at this point in your life, what were you doing? What can you say you were doing? Either living here or uh, building this thing or making this thing or being with this, these people, um, and, and, and I got this out of it. Right. Um, but don't worry about trying to, don't worry about something that you don't even know about at this point. Yeah. Um, just make a decision and focus on, on one thing. And um, there's, a, there's a great quote from a, a soccer, I think it was Martin O'Neill, he's a, he's a football or soccer, soccer here coach. He said, um, I don't make right, <laughs> he said, uh, he's actually Irish, he said, uh, I don't make right decisions, I make decisions and then I make them right. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm going to tattoo of that. Right now. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that absolutely stuck with me. And I said, right, yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't wait around and uh, pontificate and say, right, ah, oh, uh, maybe I should look around, give it another six months, give it another year. I said, no, let's just, let's just make a decision. Let's go for something now. And then we'll, uh, if it's not right, we'll, we'll work it into something else. Right. Um, so, yeah, that would be my kind of only kind of bit, bit of advice would be to say, yeah, don't, don't worry. Don't fret too much. Right. Um, and say, oh, I, I wish I was doing this or I should be doing this or I'm worried about this. I'd say just no. Pick something, say, right, what can I focus on for the next, say, six months? And when, when all's said and done, I look back at this period in my life, I can be proud and say, you know what, yeah, for this six months, I was living here and I was doing that. Right. And that was great. And it was a, a stepping stone to, to something else. Yeah. And you're, like, early 20s, did you kind of go through that phase? You, like, really, like, worked your face off and stayed up all night kind of thing? Or you kind of just, were, like, kind of methodically just worked your way up? No, you? no, there were, there were many, there were many <laughs> late nights, um, for sure. I always remember the, 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 the one moment where I had, uh, I probably definitely sticks out was when uh, I had an interview at Landor. So I had a case study to um, a case study to to give. Um, it was on I can't remember what it was now. I think it was on branding Australia or tourism Australia. Right. And uh, I, I shouldn't say this, but I, I will say it. <laughs> I basically called in sick for two days wow. uh, so I can work on this this uh, presentation. And I went to the library. I got some books. This is when we went. To, used to go to libraries and actually yeah. get books out. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they were fun. I uh, got some books out, uh, and I, I effectively built this this presentation. Um, and what was what was amazing, I was presenting to the managing director and I think the head of strategy at the time. And um, what I didn't know was uh, I went in and got ready to present, super nervous, built this presentation, and uh, ECD uh, walks in. Um, oh, no. Yeah, and, and actually, because I'd actually helped recruit for this company, exactly I, I, creative director it, for the uh, the young guns out there. Yeah, for the for 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 the, for the company, and I, I and this guy had a bit of a reputation. He was a you know, he was a brilliant creative, but um, um, because I'd helped recruit for this company, yeah. uh, I knew I knew yeah. I knew this reputation. So yeah. uh, especially you know, not not suffering falls, I think was the was the comment. Right. Um, so that added to the spice, but uh, he he left halfway through, and I was like, oh gosh, you know, what have I done? Um, but the comment I, f- I heard that later was that he, he thought I was already doing this job at a, at a competitive agency. He didn't realize that this was my first job wow. in strategy. So that was kind of like the ultimate compliment so uh, cool. for me. And I, it, it really came down to the hard work that had gone into that presentation. I mean, I'd worked for, I think it was pretty much, uh, it was three days straight, day and night. Right. Um, I just was just coffee, just learning, writing, writing. Uh, doing it again presenting to my I even presented it to a couple of my housemates yeah uh, just like I had to get this right because I knew that this was my opportunity this was my chance yeah um, and I, I had to get it right yeah I always, I always had this thing you know where I, I tried to tell myself because I always had a bit of an insecurity about my age mm-hmm. I was you know I'd often be the youngest person in a room yeah often by some, here, yeah. Some, some significant margin um, and I would just have to tell myself like you're not you're not worse than them right. you're just younger you yeah. just have less experience, and yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, it that's doesn't, a huge thing to realize. It is too. a huge mind shift. And just when you say that, you know what? You know, you've, got, you've got some years to go here, and that's fine. Um, 
and, and to acknowledge that and be okay with that and be honest about that. Like I used to, there'd be times I'd lie about my age, I'd be cagey about it. I'd mm. you know, try and style my hair in a way to get me a <laughs> couple extra. Do a madman thing like yeah, right now, yeah. Couple, couple extra years. Um, but as soon as I started to just, just shift. For, just for men. Just like, <laughs> put the gray and just streak it through your hair. Could go the opposite way. Yeah, I wonder yeah. how much of a market there is for that. <laughs> That's funny. You'd be like a yeah. silver fox. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the sooner I got to that that mindset shift, um, the sooner I started, uh, I think, just embracing it a little bit better and being more honest um, and putting myself out there. And um, I think, as we were saying before, just the more you can um, write content, create design, put your, put your work out there and not waiting till it to be perfect. Right. You know, I think there's too many times I work with, um, you know, especially when it's side projects, people who are perfectionists and they just want it to be right. And I know you want it to be right, but um, sometimes you just got to you've just got to put it out there because you'll you'll see things or you'll learn things about yourself um, from the comments that come through other people or from your own perception of once it's out there in the marketplace yeah. uh, or once it's out there in the open world. Yeah, and you never know what it might take you. I, I think we were talking earlier about just taking chances and. Um, one of the uh, things that I'll always remember when we were in Australia, that, like all good ideas, it came up in the pub. Um, we were talking about superheroes, yeah. um, and we were talking about superhero as brands, right, and their strength. And there's there's a certain um, metrics you can use. It's called Brand Asset Valuator. It's a tool to um, measure the strength of a brand. And it, there's four key pillars: relevance, differentiation, knowledge, and esteem. Um, relevance: how you know how relevant it's to you as a user. How differentiated is it from competitor? How much do you know about it in terms of knowledge and esteem? How 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 well regarded is it is it regarded? Um, and we we thought, well, why don't we apply the same methodology to superheroes uh, and superhero brands? Um, so wow. we did a quick study online. I went literally went back that afternoon, came up with a quick survey, some sort of online survey tool. Um, bought some respondents, um, used my company Amex, a couple hundred bucks, uh, and we put it out there for over the weekend. Right. Uh, and we came back, and what was really fascinating about the results was that um, we could see the difference between um, Gen X and Millennials, and how that had a different impact on superheroes. So uh, Batman was good across the board, but Superman was losing relevance right. uh, with Millennials. Yeah. Um, there will never be another Christopher Reeve. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it was just realistic. I love the original one. Um, and then also uh, Wolverine was great across the board, because right. I think there's this impact of the uh, Marvel films no, and Hugh Jackman and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly um, but anyway we put this thing wrote this little article and put it out there yeah. um, and that afternoon I go next day I think it was I got a call from um, the head of the national culture show on ABC uh, national radio who said can you come on our culture show I think if your, your article is fascinating uh, wow. we'd love to have you on uh, so I always joke that the first time I got on national radio I was talking about men in tights um, <laughs> and, and this is after all of those like really serious articles I'd published that I was like yeah this is this is really good stuff right um, this is gonna this is gonna get get right. noti- no- notoriety alright Richard this has been amazing thank you so much for your time I finally made it um, the people at Hughes were very nice to me and uh, entertained my ridiculous uh, copy that I had where I talked about fanboying and uh, making it here to huge. So it's a beautiful office. It's been an amazing experience. You are the man. We were definitely going to grab a beer one time. Where can people find you online and uh, learn more about huge? On Twitter, Richard L. Swain. Same Instagram, Richard L. Swain. Uh, yeah, sure. Yep. Great, great uh, pictures on your Instagram. Thanks. It's a real theme. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we've been working on that. Yeah. All right, thanks so much. Has left you doubt in sweatshirts, absolute horror.